And we're back with another episode of the Whole Brother Mission Podcast, Quarantine Edition. I'm thrilled again to have another partner counselor uh, of the Whole Brother Mission uh, of Mercier Wellness and Consulting. Doctors Jameson and Herdeen Mercier are here with us. How are you guys doing today? We are well. We are well. Thank you for having us. Doing really good. Doing really good. Glad to connect with you. Glad to have you guys. So they're based in Florida, specifically what part? Fort Lauderdale. Yeah, we're in South Florida. Mm-hmm. Fort Lauderdale. Okay. So I tag this is the quarantine edition of our podcast because most more often than not, they're done in person. But the coronavirus started to get worse and worse, and it got <laughs> to a point where things are shut down. So we had to switch over to these calls. So I've been dealing with a lot of technical difficulties and trying to maintain the quality so I had to get a new camera and some more equipment. So you guys are the first one where I think I got a hold on it. So you got the high quality stuff. Ooh, <laughs> baby, baby. So, what yeah. they say, look at God. That's it. That's it. <laughs> yeah, nice. And you know, it's funny because we already had some stuff here because we host podcasts as well. Mm-hmm. So uh, it was it was meant for us to connect this way. Yeah. Yes. So we're we're both ready to go. So that's good. So uh, individually, obviously, uh, I said partner counselors with the whole brother mission, but I think I'm 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 glad that we're able to have both of you because the goal of today's conversation is just addressing the ideas of couples in quarantine. So something I've realized, and I'm, I myself am single, no children, but I'm able to see uh, quite a few of the jokes online mm-hmm. and people talking about you know quarantine might end my relationship i saw something i thought was kind of funny is uh, a woman said i I think i just realized i don't like the way my husband breathes so (laughs) it's just it's getting to a point where it's like all right how how are we going to manage this and of course you know there's some jest there but also being stuck in the same place for extended period of time can be great for some people but it can also be revealing some issues uh that are hard to resolve when the world itself is kind of slowing down and all you have is each other. And then let's not consider adding kids to the mix. That might make it even harder. So I wanted you guys having put effort toward counseling couples and individual counseling as well to give your wisdom and support to those in need right now. And hopefully, you know, this might seem like an extreme example, but hopefully some of the information you share can be practical and helpful to, to save a relationship or marriage. Uh, during this time, because th- these times are very taxing as an individual on your mental health, but also for couples. So to begin with, uh, could you guys just bring the audience in on your journey uh, to couples counseling and therapy? How, how did you how did you get here? Wow. Well, so this past week, well, in the month of April, not sure when you'll be watching this, but in April, we celebrated 13 years, 13 years of marriage. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, I remember. I typically never remember. So, <laughs> really? No. So that's the that's the converse of what it normally is. Yes, it <laughs> is. You know, and I'm not about numbers in this relationship because you could be married for 25 years and be unhappy. Right. I'm about quality. So I make sure that every day is quality so I don't have to worry about the number. There you go. I think that will be a sigh of relief for several men if they had <laughs> thought that way. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, this year, this year we were forced, like everyone else, to tweak and mm-hmm. adjust the way we would ordinarily celebrate. Mm-hmm. Um, and when when the outbreak started, immediately I knew a lot of things were going to change, and I think we were looking to go maybe, I don't know, to Vegas or something mm-hmm. this year. Um, and we just automatically knew that that just wasn't going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and so one of the things we've had to do immediately was lower our expectations but because we've been together so long i think one of the things we realize is there's plenty of time Mm -hmm. for all of that stuff um we've been together we've gone to school together Mm -hmm. um we're both licensed uh social workers and um the marriage and family therapy aspect is something that i delve deeper into Mm -hmm. um and so that's my that's my sauce, mm-hmm. and and 
uh, her dean that she'll talk a little bit later about hers being grief mm -hmm. and while mm -hmm. they may appear different on the outside they really are are connected um particularly in this season with the coronavirus there is an undertone of grief um that we're all feeling mm -hmm. yeah. and when you talk about uh couples and relationships it's further complicated by the fact that our usual coping skills, our usual coping mechanisms, be it the gym, be it a movie, concerts, trips, those are not available to us. Right. You know, so that's 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 a piece that's really taxing for couples. Um, and so the years that we spend working with couples, building the practice, um, even in our own experience, mm -hmm. we talk about kids, we have three of our own. Mm -hmm. um, so we've been able to put all those things. It's almost like we were preparing for this season. Yeah. You know? Um, I, when I, we were celebrating, I went on my social media and I was like, I'm just going to reminisce since we can't go nowhere. Mm -hmm. I'm going to reminisce. And I was so grateful in that moment because oftentimes you'll hear, I wish we did. But when I looked back in these 13 years, we've celebrated when we had the time. We didn't wait. So if there's anything I would tell couples is celebrate when you can, because we're waiting will rob you of the opportunity in experience yeah. that you can't get back. Yeah. Um, I think about one of the times that I did, I put up our 10 year wedding anniversary, Jameson in my family, Jameson planned a whole 10 year wedding anniversary surprise in Bahamas. I had no idea. My family was there. Everyone was waiting. I had no idea. And so we couldn't celebrate it the way we wanted, but we made the memories. All right. I think I think that's been an undertone in our relationship mm -hmm. to do what we can when we can. Mm hmm. Because it's those kinds of memories, in part, that have been helping us while we're locked down, you know, and unable to do anything. And it's from him picking out the dress to picking out the same, my favorite colors that we walked down the aisle. It's the details in the day. And just like I told you, sometimes we look at the year, but it's the details in the relationship that makes the relationship. And so it's funny that you say I read somewhere or heard someone say about two weeks or three weeks ago that divorce is going up. Yeah, the divorce is going up because people now have are forced to deal with their issues right. where before they went to work. So they avoided they went out with friends. So they avoided. But now those things cannot happen. And this sense of normalcy. What, what I call in the grief world, I, call, I coin it as um, pacifying behavior, where we would use our job, we would use other things, so we don't have to really deal with the internal issues that we're having. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I, I want to start with this. Cause I, I thank you for the introduction, because I think it gives people some really good context for you guys' mm -hmm. perspective on how you approach it, because a lot of people come at the relationship relationship stuff a lot of different ways. I appreciate the way you're looking at it because it puts more emphasis on real connection rather than vanity. Oh, and I think a lot of times what is what is presented, you know, a lot of us, uh, our understanding of relationships came from the movies or the TV shows where it's like uh, things that are, are nice but may not always be the case in a real relationship. Uh, you know, there there's highs and lows. Things go up and down. It's not always the perfect thing. But if you go in expecting the highs all the time, you'll be severely disappointed Absolutely. because that's just not how any real one works. So what I wanted you guys to speak to from both a man and a woman's perspective is what do you do, whether it's during quarantine or if this was happening in your relationship before quarantine? What do you do when you feel disappointed with the person that you're in love with? You know, that's a really good question. And last month, we did a, a four-part series on communication. Mm -hmm. um, everyone talks about communication, either the lack of it or not knowing how to do it. Um, and we delved over four weeks into that. What we do and have done is had those hard, hard conversations. Mm -hmm. 
Okay. We the uncomfortable one. Very uncomfortable conversations. So we have literally gotten comfortable with being uncomfortable during our conversations. And that's the key mm-hmm. for us. Yeah, we recognize that difficult conversations is a part of being together. Mm-hmm. Right? We're we're not just gonna sit here and have all the pleasantries and talk nice. Um because that doesn't that doesn't do anything. If anything, that just sets you up for a much bigger heartache down the line. And I recognize it's easier for us to say as counselors and, you know, we have all of this background knowledge, but recognizing that communicating, even when it's difficult, even if you're bad at it, the attempt to gather more understanding really is what's going to help you. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's not even just having the title of being counselors, babe, because I really do think that we're human at the end of the, the day. Leave the titles out. At the end of the day, we're humans and we have emotions. And one of the things that I teach is that this life isn't perfect, but we have to live it. And so in living it, it requires us to be honest. I I developed these five anchors and one of the very first thing is freedom. What does that represent? It represents truth. So if we're able to sit in our truth, then the next thing you'll get to be able to say, my heart is broken. Why is your heart broken? Because you're, you'll be able to answer it because you knew you sat in that truth. You marinated in that truth. And I don't want to blame anybody. And I always preface it by saying this, that we can't blame our parents. We can't blame the generation before us. But what can we do now? What can we do now to now sit in the truth of our relationship? Mm-hmm. And, you know, Jay typically asks this powerful question. He says, no, you say, once you know the truth, now you have to do something with it. So husbands and wives, if you're going to ask the question and your spouse is going to give you the truthful answer, be be prepared to have some activity to move behind it. Absolutely. Yeah, I think hard conversations are huge. And you'd be shocked how new that is to some people. They they think they go into relationships thinking that hard conversations are something to avoid. And I know that uh, a, a common frustration is when the other party perceives conversation as just a desire to argue. Mm-hmm. Uh, the reality is there's no way to actually work through something without talking about it. Working through it means working through it. Right. But many of us come into relationships with a norm or the baggage of of avoidance type behaviors. So next, what I want to transition to is, uh, and you can speak to this uh, from a woman's perspective or a man's perspective, or you can speak about the other gender as well, things you've observed. Like, uh, Herdeen, you may say, well, this is sometimes the where men miss it. Or Dr. Mercer, you might say this sometimes where women miss it, you know, whatever the case may be. But what are uh, some things you see that may be exclusive to gender or may not that are unhealthy behaviors that may be hindering the growth of the relationship? Mm. You know, one of the things I mean, that just comes to mind real quick is these uh, norms about roles, mm-hmm. right? Prescriptions of gender. Um, and, if nothing's been highlighted during this quarantine, it's definitely been that piece because Mm -hmm. you may have lost a job as a sole breadwinner, um, or you may be able to work from home as the one, as the wife, um, when before that was being dismissed, but now that may be the only source of income, right? So now, um, you're forced to have to adapt to that. You know, you're forced to have to, look at what you thought it meant to be the man or the woman. Um, one, one of the things I know that's not quite common, um, this was a personal experience of ours. When our children were born, I was a stay-at-home dad. Mm-hmm. And I went to work. And my wife worked. Now, not because he didn't want to. Now, I needed to let that be known. He couldn't find a job with the master's degree. He had ho- big hopes, big dreams, and that's not what the cards dealt us. And so we looked at each other and say, what do we need to do? That's another powerful question you can ask in this season of quarantine. What do we need to do to survive this season? And for us, 
that looked like me going to work 30 days after having our firstborn Azriel. Then it looked like me, me going back to work 14 days after having our third born Jason. And so Jameson was in school. He was getting his PhD. I'm talking about, I watched this man put in application after application after application. It wasn't working out. But what was working out was me, her Dean Mercier, his wife, his life partner, becoming the financial provider. And we made it work. I don't want to make it seem like it was easy because Wifidence was built out of it. Mm -hmm. Um, Wifidence was built because Wifidence represents in that process. I was so busy putting a mask on Jameson. I was so busy putting a mask on the kids. I was so busy putting on the mask on my mom and everybody else that I did not put the mask on me. And literally... His big celebration, surprise trip to Jamaica, big, big PhD party. I come back and I look in the mirror because we did it for eight years, babe. Yeah. Eight years. I come back and I look in the mirror and I don't know who the hell I am. Mm -hmm. Scary. And so my only thought then is to look at Jameson and say, I think I want a divorce. Because that was the only way I thought would help me to go then find myself. I forgot what my favorite color was. I forgot the reasons why I laughed because I was so busy putting a mask on everyone else around me. And so wifidence was developed to telling women, yes, you can love and support your man. I love this man dearly, but I got to put the mask on my face first. That's a great that's a great point. So I want to come back to what got you there to the point where divorce was uh, a thought, mm-hmm. because I think that that's very real. The idea of, of leaving for a variety of reasons. But before coming back to that, you gave the example of having the master's degree, looking for working and not just working out and then not being a a uh, an issue of desire to work, but. Something I think is men that we can't uh, sometimes we have a hard time accepting is as much as we want to be perceived as alpha and macho and in control. There are really some things that are out of your control. Mm-hmm. And as much as you would like to just create a stream of income out of thin air, I mean, you can try. But sometimes if you can, and even if even if you do, it may not be sufficient to support the needs of the family. So th- there are those situations where that happens. And uh you know, it's out of your control and we have to navigate through situations that are out of our control. But that example you gave reminds me, I'm not sure if you guys are aware of the show, but there's a show on HBO called Insecure. And in the uh, earlier seasons, the main character is a girl named Issa and she was working and her uh, boyfriend, her, her, they weren't married, but they were living together. And he had some experience in tech, but he couldn't find work. And eventually she ended up cheating and leaving uh, because she didn't feel as though uh, he was driven enough. Right. It was just kind of like, well, well, what are you doing? You know, I'm out here working. Where is the drive? Uh, and there are situations where that are similar to yours, where it's like I'm trying, but nothing's coming through and we have to figure out how we're going to do this. Right. But there are also situations where and I don't, I don't want to knock anyone's profession. But there are situations where a guy may not be driven. Mm-hmm. He may just have, you know, and, you know, I think there are people that can have a viable career, let's just say, in rapping. Mm-hmm. But there is the ongoing joke of, you know, all right, you in the studio just making songs, but well, what are you doing for us now? I know that's your dream, but there may be things that guys are interested in, but they're not holding up the end of the bargain. And also not willing to explore things that they don't want to do that could still help them to provide. So could you help, uh, could you help for those listening, specifically women, uh, where is the line between being a ride or die for a guy who just has hit a hard time versus realizing you're dealing with a man who's just not driven enough to, to, to take on that responsibility? Where is the line? 
Can I? I'll speak on that. I can't speak. I I will speak on that. (laughs) And -hmm. this is the line, the action, the words. Like, they're not just words. There's some action behind it. And I totally forgot about this. So you bringing back some memories from me. He could not find a job with a master's degree. You know what my husband did? He started delivering paper, newspaper, with Mm -hmm. a master's degree. And he still wanted to then bring in some additional resources to into our family. He started delivering sushi. I hated sushi. He delivered <laughs> sushi so much that now I can eat it cooked. I always say it got to be cooked now. Got to be steamed. I can't yeah. have it raw. But the action, the activity behind it is saying, baby, I'm working on this degree. I know you got the bulk of the money. You're bringing in the bulk of the money, but this is what I can do. I can get up at five and go deliver some newspapers. I can get up on the weekend when I have those free times and deliver sushi. There was no pride with him. So I I can be a ride or die too. Yeah, I recognize early on that, um, you know, hopes and dreams are great. And, you know, when your passions and your priorities are in conflict, you got to make some hard choices, mm. you know? Mm-hmm. So, so my passion was to build a practice and to, you know, do this thing and do school, but I also had kids to feed. And, and that experience also taught me that women, and again, I know I'm generalizing a bit, uh, just indulge me for a little bit, but women, at least in the case of my wife, she needed a sense of security mm-hmm. and, in that position, I, I, I couldn't at the time I couldn't afford a ton of security, but I could do some things to let her know that I was working toward that. And the idea that I was trying to provide it gave her some some um, it, it it did it allowed her not to panic. Mm-hmm. Now what I also realized was I got to continue to build on that. You know I can't just get here and stop right here if I want to maintain what we have so i knew if my wife was okay then i can build on my dreams if she had that security if she felt like we were going to be okay and i did what i had to do then what i needed to get done wasn't going to be an issue Mm -hmm. and i think during those hard times at the end why i when everything was like you you're probably thinking you stayed there for eight years you went through, he got the PhD and now you're thinking you're going to walk out the door. Are you a crazy lady? I wasn't crazy. It was just, it was more important to me that I found myself than being connected to a man. Hmm. It was more important to me that I found myself, wifeidence. So when I walk around in these streets, I know who I am individually. He can be back, gone tomorrow, but her Dean Mercier will be her Dean Mercier. Now, the beauty of being in this relationship is that we love being together. Yeah. You know what happens to a lot of couples? Um, and, I, and I reflect on our marriage. I think a lot of couples, they, people say they get married young. But it isn't necessarily about getting married young. I think people get married before they know who they are and what they Mm. want. Mm, You're speaking on that. You know, and when people begin to discover what they want for themselves, but then they realize that they are already attached to someone else, then there's this conflict, you know, what do I choose? And so some relationships will end because of that conflict. It's just a fact. Yeah. Yep. And then there are those who are able to navigate that. And even as we're having this conversation, there are couples right now who are realizing that while I love you, I'm figuring out some things about myself that maybe I need to go and explore. Mm-hmm. You know, And they feel unable to explore those things while married or in a relationship Mm -hmm. and and the truth is you still can be in a relationship and explore those things it just requires work you know i i recognize how i was growing and how her dean was growing and changing and i tell everyone this all the time the the divorce was not my it was it was not my idea Mm -hmm. 
But if she felt she had to go, then that's what it was going to be, you know. But but I must preference this and say he saved our marriage. How he came to me and says, babe, I can't do this on my own. Let's go into therapy. This is counselors, right? You know, Mm -hmm. licensed clinical social workers, right? PhD, marriage and family therapy, right? And I looked at him as like, I don't need no counseling. (laughs) I don't need no counseling. Yeah. You know how that was pride. Mm -hmm. And and I look back and I and I and I said, I say, babe, you saved our marriage. And I'm so grateful for the time you said you said he came to me and he said tell your story baby tell well, your story so <laughs> we're we're the we're the worst clients as clinicians we know that and <laughs> i recognize that she was dealing with some stuff and like she said i could i i can't do it on my own so two or three weeks later i came back to her and i said listen i made an appointment and this is when and where it is so I'm either going to go and you're going to be there and we're going to work on our relationship, on our marriage, or I'm going to be by myself dealing with the loss of my marriage. One way or another, that's where you'll find me. And it's an open invitation. Hmm. So. Oh, go ahead. If you have more, go ahead. Feel free to add more. So in doing that, it made me go back. Oh, shoot. This is real. Uh, we're not just talking about it. We're actually taking action. And action sometimes can be very scary. Mm-hmm. So I think that's that's key because. Unfortunately, I've and just in my experience from speaking with, you know, partner counselors within the whole brother mission uh, and then anecdotal experiences with family and friends. Obviously, couples go through issues. That's normal. I don't think anyone's on a debate that, oh, yeah, relationships are just smooth, no problems. Mm-hmm. But with that, unfortunately, it's not normal to seek counseling or therapy, though. Right. I've found in many cases, it's just kind of like, well, we're going through it and we just keep trying to talk to each other, not understanding the communication differences. And no one, it, it, it seems taboo to bring others, whether licensed or not, into the messiness of your relationship. Right, right. Uh, you hear a lot about this is our issue. We don't want people in our business. And, you know, people have experiences with family members who gossip. And then there's people being nosy. And then you also hear the stories about overbearing uh, parents-in-law. So everyone kind of uh, doubles down and tries to become a hermit or go into a hole with their issues rather than opening themselves up to, you know, getting help from an outside source. Mm-hmm. Could you speak to those that have a concern with exposing the weakness of their weaknesses within their relationship? You know, people forget. And I mean, I'll just add, you really aren't exposing things that people don't already know. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of like when when family Families walk around, they got two, three, four kids. People know y'all having sex. You don't got to be afraid about that. How those yeah. kids come around? People just know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Um, so if you have someone that's qualified, and so quali- I'll speak profession, qualified, licensed, they're bound by certain ethics and guidelines. If you've never explored counseling before, by law, they must protect you and your issues and your confidentiality and your conversations. You don't have to fear that. Mm -hmm. On the other side, if you have a true confidant, right, whether it's an older couple that you, you see that they are pouring into you, they already know. They already know, and nothing makes them more happier than helping younger couples or couples who may be struggling. Um, On average, couples will wait. The numbers fluctuate a bit, but it's five to seven years before seeking help, be that professionally or from pastors and, and other mentors. Do you realize how much is lost in those five to seven years? Mm, Scary. That's time that you will never get back. Mm -hmm. And then when you finally do decide to go and seek some help, you must now backtrack 
and undo all that damage. And the sad part is some of that damage may not be able to be repaired. Mm -hmm. And so now you have to contend with that. You know, so I always encourage people. It isn't about a fear that, um, you know, people will talk and, you know, they might judge me mm -hmm. or I might be the only one. I know within the black community, the minority community, island community, we don't, we, we just say what happens at home stays at home. But that only serves to perpetuate some of these negative um, coping mechanisms and these uh, the traumas that we continue to perpetuate generation after generation. So there's, there's, there's no need um, to be afraid of the counseling. Embrace it, if anything, and get back to where you were before. And I think that's where Manfredent was developed, babe, because Manfredent has these manifestos. You mm. can do the honor of explaining it and do it just as better than I do. Well, so one of the... There are five, though, the, the Manfredin Manifesto, and it's about rewriting that script about manhood, um, a lot of the fears and issues that um, people carry with them, um, some of these false ideas that we may hold about manhood or what manhood means, uh, what we bring into relationships. Um, in particular, there's one that speaks about being an anchor for your family and if you are really going to anchor down you got to do some things you got to have those conversations you got to reach out because you can't do it and you said this earlier Malik you can't um, do it by yourself there's no way I think my favorite manifesto in this one and is be a man is offensive when men hear that, that's offensive. If they show, especially for me around the grief area in my expertise as a chief grief crusader and just on my mission as the host of Redefining Grief podcast is it's showing that men have emotions too and they should not be muffled because they show any signs of tears or concerns or have fears. Men need wives, wifeidence, if you want to be wifeidence, men need wives who can embrace them during those times of vulnerability. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Uh, two more things and then we'll, we'll transition. Mm -hmm. One, since you just said that, I, I'm intentional about taking uh, note of different things that people put on social media because it's interesting how Oftentimes, people vent about frustrations about their significant other or relationship history on social media. They just write about it. Mm -hmm. uh, the, these women this, these men that. Mm -hmm. um, and it's interesting to me because I, I, I realize that although there's this notion of men not having emotions, when a single man is writing on social media about his previous experiences with women, I think that lets me know that some emotions are there. And there's some unresolved issues. You're upset mm -hmm. about how that thing went or mm -hmm. when uh, when celebrities do certain things, the reaction to what celebrity couples do ends up revealing some unresolved issues. I know that a while ago it was uh, Steph Curry and his wife. Uh, and then more recently it was Bo Boris Kojo and his wife where pretty much the wives were expressing the idea of even though they're married, they still want to be desirable. Uh, they had gotten to a point where their identity seemed to just be the wife rather than the wife of the main person, <laughs> rather than being an individual themselves. And a lot of men didn't didn't get it. It was like, well, if you're married to me, why are you worried about, you know, so that that whole dynamic played itself out. But I, I bring that up to say that a lot of times there's this. Uh, how do you say uh, a, a misunderstanding? about how we should relate to one another. Mm -hmm. So in terms of that idea of men not supposed to, you know, be worried about this or, or, or have these uh, these emotions, another notion that I see pushed a lot, uh, I think it's based off of bad relationship history. It's, you know, one bad thing happens in a relationship and then people generalize about all men or all women. Mm 
Mm-hmm. And one of the things I hear a lot is men saying, and some women saying too, but mostly men saying, you don't need to be emotionally vulnerable before the woman you're with. Women don't want to hear a man complain or whine. You have to just man up. And if you do go that play, go to that place of being emotionally vulnerable, that's a mistake on your end because she'll then use it against you later. And I, I hear a lot of hurt in the in conversation and from uh, in the post online as well. Where there's this notion of, hey, where men are counseling other men unlicensed. Hey, don't don't go there. Don't don't share your emotions because they're going to do this. They're going to do that. How would you respond to these ideas of men needing to avoid that vulnerability? And also, how would you speak to the idea of women look down on emotionally weak or uh, just emotional men in general? So that and I've seen some of those same comments. I think I even saw I recall when I was watching that episode uh, where that you were having the same conversation. And what that did for me, you know, it took me back to the time when I may have been um, hurt mm-hmm. and didn't necessarily want to be vulnerable. OK, mm-hmm. um, nobody wants to be vulnerable when they're hurting. Um, I I. As a man, I can totally understand both arguments. Um, I understand the idea that you don't want to present one way because now you're labeled as that guy. Okay? You can't shake it. Um, But then I also understand that if you pretend like you don't have any emotions, Mm if you pretend like the only emotion that you can show which society agrees with is anger, right? We applaud men who show anger and aggressiveness, but when a guy begins to explain how hurt he is or how sad he is, um, we don't, there are some people who don't want to hear that. So I hear that both exist, but we also, I think, generalize overgeneralize the uh, occurrences of these things. Um, Anytime, anytime um, we try to avoid being vulnerable, we only, we only deepen that pain. Mm -hmm. We, we dig that hole deeper. We make it much harder to come out. Mm -hmm. We find some of these negative coping strategies. We find some of these, um, poor ways of dealing with it that further hurt us. Okay, now speaking specifically to men, um, being hurt and relationships go hand in hand. Um, mm, okay. There's no way to avoid it. Yep. The interesting thing is you can be married and you think you can be vulnerable in your marriage and then have your own wife turn and say to you, What's wrong with you? Stop crying. And so it isn't only in dating relationships or casual relationships, even in your own um, marriages and committed relationships, this phenomenon continues to happen. Mm -hmm. Um, And I understand I can encourage men to not hide behind it and try to mask it, but they're going to have to work through that. And working through it alone is hard. This is why I applaud groups of men who support men, you know, because there are some conversations, unfortunately, you can't have with just anybody, mm-hmm. you know, uh, same, same thing with women. You know, you got to give it and have it given back to you in a way that, you know, you can understand where you won't be judged. But doing it alone is not um You got to do it, but you can't do it alone, Mm -hmm. is what I have to say. I think I often think about the second manifesto, which says, I have emotions beyond anger. That's his the men. Like, I loved when he put those anchors together for the Manfinet brand is because, yes, you do. You do have the right to have another emotion besides anger. 
You do have the right as a man to cry. You do have the right to be pissed off. You do have the right to just say, you know what? I ain't with it right now. Yeah. You have that right. Definitely. And I think it's, it's, it's really important to hear that. It's one thing when men say it to other men, but I do think that the words of women can move men in a way that others can't. So it's important to, to hear that from a woman and from a wife as well. Cause it's like, oh, okay. Is it? Cause you know, you know, men will, men will move, uh, heaven and earth for a woman whose voice that matters to them, whether it be mom, sister, wife, or girlfriend. So I think it's important to, to hear that from the other side as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I do want to open it up now to is I think you guys have hit on a lot of different things that are, that are helpful information for, for couples in a general sense whether it's just navigating through the difficulty of quarantining right now or just navigating through being in a relationship. It's it's hard stuff. And unfortunately, what I'm seeing on uh, in today's culture, there was an article that was uh, written about it was talking specifically about millennials and relationships. Mm -hmm. But I think the principles tend to look similar across the board. And it listed a couple different things on why millennials are having a hard time with relationships. And one of the points that it was making is that we um, we kind of go into relationships a bit guarded uh, and not necessarily and are settling for an alternative to relationships, but still calling it a relationship. So basically, it's gotten to a point where it's like, well, I've been hurt. I don't trust you. You don't trust me. But I do want to have someone to sleep with, but I also don't want to be bound <laughs> to you only. Mm-hmm. So it, it it becomes this this distorted version of relationships where each party is just seeking to get what they can get out of it. And there's not really a concern for the other party. So to kind of close down the the idea of, of relationships and couples in quarantine, uh, can you individually or respectively speak to how do you and you can speak for uh, women or men generally or you specifically, but how do you and maybe I can use the word love languages because uh, some people are familiar with that. But how do you most feel loved from your significant other? How do you receive that? Because a lot of times I think. We we do what we think the other party might want based on what's natural to us but we haven't taken the time to consider, well, these are the things that encourage, inspire, and uplift me. So so what for you is, uh, what keeps you going from your significant other? I think for me, it's a six letter word called listen. Listen with intention and listen to not want to respond. Listen to hear the person's heart. And if we go to the love language, my very first love language is words of affirmation. So he knows what that is. He knows what it looks like. It's celebrating me. It's talking about me. He did a whole episode on the couple's council um, for my birthday one year, all about me. That's my word. That's, that's saying, oh, he loves me. He thought of me today. It's the simple text. It's mm-hmm. the it's the bringing of the flowers. It's getting the coconut out of the tree. We're in Florida. We're Haitian and we love us some coconuts. It's it's us compromising and saying, baby, but I want a mango tree in the backyard. I'm Haitian. I love mangoes. Right. And it's us compromising. It's us talking it out and it's us anchoring down in our truth. So over the 13, 15 years or so that we've been together, I I realized that um, if if her dean has what she needs, then then I'm good, right? And, and when I say I'm good, that means I, I can I can then go after what I need. I can go play. I can go hang, as long as my wife is good. Now. It isn't, and you alluded to this, it isn't what I think she needs, but what she feels she needs, right? And so what, I have, what I've had to learn to do is be supportive of my wife, even when I may not understand mm-hmm. what's happening. And even if I may disagree, 
right? Because just because you disagree with someone doesn't necessarily make them wrong. And agreeing with someone likewise doesn't mean you're right either. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so we often conflate those things like you're wrong because you disagree. But in marriage, I've learned that I can disagree with you and still support you. And so that still allows us to be individuals and still pursue um, our purpose, mm-hmm. you know, and take on work and jobs and projects that we feel we need to satisfy ourselves. You know, um, earlier when you were talking, uh, your question led me to the whole concept of identity. Mm-hmm. And in marriage and relationships, that's often one of the first things that's lost. We kind of uh, merge into one another and some of these really bad ideas of what oneness means. Um, but if you're able to maintain your sense of identity and purpose while in a marriage or help the other person maintain theirs, not only do what you think or, or you can't tell me what to do, then I think we'll be fine. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we will do okay if we're allowed to be as individuals. And it, it takes me back to when right before we got married, I told you, you would have failed me as a husband if 10 years, 15 years, 25 years later, I am still the same wife that I walked down the aisle as. And I want to tell you, honey, thank you for not failing me as a husband because I am so much more. I am so much better from the day that I walked down that aisle. Thank you. Thank you for supporting me. Thank you for encouraging me. Thank you for those dark days you told me to get back up. Even one of those dark days that I didn't see it in myself. He was like, baby, you Oprah and I'm Stedman. I need you. (laughs) (laughs) And so this is what it looks like. It's not being that same individual that walked down the aisle. I'm totally different from that woman. I'm better. I evolved. I'm still becoming her Dean Mercier. And I'm honored to be your wife. Mm-hmm. And again, it, it takes work. Uh-huh. It takes work. And to your point, Malik, about millennials, not only do they come into relationships with these, you know, these really um, unhealthy ideas, but the patience often isn't there either. And so they'll look at their parents or they'll look at people who were together for decades and instantly want what they have today, um, not realizing, you know, you can't lift 200 pounds the first day you go to the gym. You got to start with some five pound dumbbells, That's you know, good. Mm-hmm. and millennials, not all. I know we're talking generally, but not all. But those who there are those who struggle in realizing that you're not going to get there overnight. You know, Rome wasn't built in a day. Definitely. Well, I thank you guys for all that you've shared. Uh, I really hope this is inspiring and helpful for those that are navigating through relationships because it is it is a difficult thing. I know also that from what we've discussed, it probably may have stepped on some toes, but also opened some eyes. And for those that want to connect with you, are looking for additional resources, could you share some of the things you have going on and how they can connect with you? And I guess right now online. (laughs) Okay. The most recent thing that I'm having online, um, my other brand is being the Chief Grief Crusader. I create non-judgmental spaces so that broken hearts can be healed, seen, and heard. And in that space, I will be doing a mastermind in helping a mastermind class in helping you understand and unlock purposeful healing in your life so that you can deal with the unresolved grief. And the idea is that grief is not just the death of someone. And this whole COVID season, you've grieving the loss of your job. You may be grieving the loss of realizing, oh, shoot, we really not that good. You may be grieving the fact that your loved one is ill and you cannot go to the hospital. You may be grieving the fact that you did not get to say goodbye. You did not get to be by their bedside. 
And so I decided to do a mastermind class that is going to help you really understand grief. Because once you really understand, grief is in the moving when you really didn't want to move. I grieved when I went back to work 14 days after having my son, but I didn't know what it felt like. You know, I grieved when I looked in the mirror and didn't know who I was. I was hurting. My heart ache. And that's what I'll be teaching. I'll be teaching about these principles and you can register. It's free at herdeanmercier.com backslash Mercier. Oh, no. Herdeanmercier.com backslash masterclass. Yep. Masterclass. And in addition to that, we do have um, the Couples Council podcast. That is a podcast for couples practical advice, similar to some of the topics that we've been discussing here on, on this show, um, because it isn't that relationships are doomed to fail. It, it's that we're not equipped with some of the skills and strategies to work through those challenges. Mm -hmm. And so the Couples Council podcast is where we have those conversations. We bring guests on. We um, Sometimes it's Herdeen and I, sometimes it's myself, but addressing some of those issues and so people can find that wherever they get their favorite podcasts, iTunes, Google Podcasts. If you just look up Dr. Mercier or the Couples Council, um, you'll find that. In addition, um, and you know, I, the manfident uh, idea of flipping the script about manhood and healthy manhood, there are lots of conversations about that. And we also are having our own conversation so I want to encourage people to look out for that, um, and they can do that by connecting with us either on the website, mercierwellness.com, or uh, via social media. So if they just look for Dr. Jameson Mercier, um, I'm all over the place. Um, Herdeen Mercier, similarly, she's mm -hmm. all over the place. I'm all over the place, but where I like to hang out and play is Instagram. So her Instagram, team, okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm over all over the place, but where I really like to play and in my DMs and answering questions that people have surrounding grief or any question you may have, um, it's her Dean Mercier everywhere, but where I like to play is Instagram and my podcast, which I forgot to say yeah. is um, Redefining Grief with her Dean Mercier, where we explore this idea that this life isn't perfect but we have to live it. We cannot allow the sad part of our days rob us of the opportunity of living. 42,000 people, my cousin, she's being with the stats, have died of COVID-19 since the last time I heard the numbers. Yeah, it's actually over 50 now. Really? Yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm. So 50,000 people can no longer live their life. That's scary to me. So my job is to helping you grieve and find purpose. That's my coaching program. From grief to purpose. I'm your girl, Herdeen Marcia. <laughs> Perfect. Well, thank you both for joining us. We appreciate all that you've shared. And I hope that uh, people can connect with you beyond here because grief is a real thing. Relationship issues are a real thing. And just mental health in, in general is something that uh, I think some communities haven't put enough attention toward. Uh, coping mechanisms that aren't beneficial just keep the cycle going so i hope we can we can break that so thank you again this has been the whole brother mission podcast